0: back to the podcast. My name is Trisha Friedman and my pronouns are she, her, and hers. Before we get to the episode, I'd like to take a moment to address the June 24th Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the legal right to have a safe and legal abortion. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of so many, many people. This decision could also lead to the loss of other rights. To learn more about what you can do to help, please go to podvoices.help. That link will be over there in the show notes. I encourage you to speak up, take action, learn more, spread the word. Today's guest is going to talk to us about a range of really important topics, one of which is boundaries. For those of us who are experiencing summer right now, I think this is a great time for us to reflect on the ways in which we want to refine our boundaries, what it takes to nurture those boundaries, and perhaps how we can better communicate those boundaries. Enjoy our conversation. Hi,
1: my name is Cheryl Ann Weeks. I am a certified high school counselor and I've worked with teenagers in different capacities for the past 24 years. For the last 15 or so, I keep losing track. I have been a school counselor and I had been working in international schools since 2010. My passion is about talking to students about mental health awareness, consent, positive self-talk, boundaries and organization. I recently started a consulting business called Weeks Enterprise LLC. And the goal is to facilitate workshops for educators, students, parents, and community organizations around mental health, the importance of therapy, consent, and boundaries. A little bit personal about me, I was born in Barbados, but I grew up in Boston and I love the beach, coconut ice cream, coconut water, chocolate, and I love to travel.
0: Thank you so much, cheryl for for coming on the show. And again, uh, Weeks Enterprise LLC, we'll make sure that there's a link to that over in the show notes, um, because again, the, the services that you just listed, I know listeners are, are going to be interested. So listeners, feel free to pause, open that link now, or get to it at the end of the episode. Sherilyn, I was fortunate enough to learn and listen to you at the ALOC Summer Institute. Uh, Your session was on navigating boundaries, and this is a workshop that you offer to learning organizations. Can you talk about why learning organizations benefit when they bring a conversation about boundaries into their ecosystem?
1: Yes. So boundaries are important for all of us, but especially educators, because we're givers and we struggle with doing too much saying no, feeling as if we've not done enough to help our students. We struggle with work-life balance because we have a lack of understanding. And that lack of understanding is about, we can't truly help each other if we're overwhelmed or burned out or even unwell. And so boundaries help us in a myriad of ways. They help us to define our needs. They keep us safe and healthy by improving our relationships, protecting our well-being, well-being, decre- decreasing our stress levels, and most importantly, it gives you agency over your decisions, over how you want to interact with others. Learning organizations can benefit because we often encourage a work-too-hard culture, right, without understanding the effect it has on the employees. We engage in a culture where boundaries are people with boundaries sometimes are punished, whether it is on purpose or just because of the way the culture is. And some of those examples are expecting people to work late all the time, happy hours and after work functions that are not on the calendar. You know, expecting staff to read non-emergency emails or answering phone calls all hours and on the weekends. You know, a big one for me was the idea of choosing to eat my lunch alone. You know, celebrating those people who don't use their sick days or their vacation days, and this is one that happens a lot. And I think a lot of organizations don't realize the message they're sending to those of us who have to use our sick days, right? Because of whatever health issues we're dealing with, you know. And then my favorite one is really unique to international schools: this idea that we engage with our coworkers in social around social media or on social media. You know, and so it's important that organizations understand that we each each of the
0: employees have the right to say, I don't want to do that. And it's OK. I, I really appreciate that. You know, what you're talking about, you know, especially you bring up that idea of can I choose to eat alone? Um, you know, is my colleague celebrated because they didn't take a single sick day? all year, um, you know, again, it's it's July, this is Disability Pride Month. I've been reading uh, Shida Kafai's uh, Crip Kinship book, uh, and in that book, they keep referencing a term, body mind, no space, uh, in an effort to really get us to think that, you know, our our mental health, our physical health are interlocked, right? These are not necessarily things that we can separate out, you know, they they work together. And just thinking about how I am also really introverted, you know, when you work in a school, you're constantly interacting. That is really draining. For me, I was also okay, I would try as much as possible to also have lunch on my own. Um, and I needed to recharge my batteries, right? Um, because again, like all of that social stuff, it really does deplete my battery. And um, I remember one time having a conversation with a peer because I was not the person who would always go to all of the staff socials or happy hours. I'm also a sober person. Um, And I had a colleague who was kind of like on me, on me, on me. And I was like, look, this is not about me not liking our team or not wanting to hang out with you. It's about this and this. And that conversation was good, you know, kind of made us realize we're just, Socially, we have different needs. We have different boundaries around um, different things. And even that, Sherylann, you have me thinking about, in schools all the time, I hear this phrase of like, we're a family. A, we're not, we're not a family. I do have my family. We don't have to be family to work well together. But B, it's interesting to me that we would say that and not necessarily have had that conversation around what do you like to do in your downtime or what do you even need from your downtime right so um, you know that list i think there's a lot of conversations to be had and some reflection for learning organizations to do um and just you know yeah as as you say to really think about the body minds on your campus um and what you are doing to make sure that they all have access to their needs i think that navigating boundaries conversation is such an important one for all different types of organizations. So I'm really glad that you provide that service.
1: I agree. And I love that you brought the one about being a family because we're a community. We don't have to be a family, right? And like you said, as a family, you know more about me. You ask me questions. And I think it is an important question to ask people, what do you want to do on your downtime? You know, And to respect that we're different. You know, I think that's one of the things that we try to, it seems like we're struggling with this idea of respecting that we're different, that we all need different things. And the, the boundaries question really is to say, it's okay if we all operate differently. We can still work together well. We can still be a really good team, productive, even if I need to eat my lunch alone or I just don't wanna go to a social event, Mm -hmm. you know? I just don't want to. And I I drink, but still I don't want to go. You know, I'd rather be doing something else, the understanding that that is
0: okay. Yes. And I wonder if that's, you know, it's almost kind of a a cliche now to talk about how much, you know, we kind of don't like icebreakers. And I think, you know, part of that is looking at, well, is it really an icebreaker? Or is it, you're asking me, um, you know, without my consent to kind of divulge some information that I have not chosen to give to you, because I think too, um, I remember years ago seeing somebody mention, this is, stick with me, Cheryl, I'm going to come back to our point, but that uh, at a dinner party, Gal Gadot asked everyone around the table, tell me something that is a secret that you've never shared with anybody else. And the person who was sharing this was like, Gal Gadot's a great actress, but like, whoa, that was not comfortable. And I actually was at, uh, you know, a a professional learning event where that same icebreaker was made. And it was like, no, I'm not going to tell this random group of strangers something that I've never told my friends or my family. Um, But so also just that other side of the spectrum of sometimes thinking, uh, you know, you know, because as you say, yes, we we need to get to know one another better, but there are boundaries within that too, right? There
1: are boundaries within that, and that is perfect because I'm not going to tell you a secret, and you can d- use a different icebreaker. You can yes. say, "Tell me what's your favorite ice cream." You can say, "Tell me what's your favorite animal." You can say, "Tell me what's your favorite country." You know, none of those things put me on the spot. You know, and I think it's important that when we do those types of activities that we think about how it affects people in the messaging that we're sending. Because like you said, you're a group of strangers. And even if you knew one or two people in there, I am not going to tell you a secret. Again, that's about boundaries. Mm -hmm. That is a lack of boundaries right there. Perfect
0: example. So uh, again, you know, for folks who are listening, if any of that resonates with you, check out Cheryl and Week's session on navigating boundaries. I think it's a, a really great one. And I think you know, boundaries are something that we always need to continually check in with because they will shift, right? And yes. just like our relationships within schools shift. Um, so I think it's even if you feel like you've got some good boundaries in your school, I, I really I, I appreciate it in, in the summer institute session when you talked about. We need to maintain them. We need to nurture them. We need to keep talking about them.
1: And you need to change
0: them. And the question that I say to people to ask
1: themselves, are you feeling overwhelmed, burned out, frustrated, complaining about the same situation over and over again? That is an indicator that you
0: need a boundary
1: mm-hmm. or a better
0: boundary Or you need to shift your boundaries. I really appreciate that. Um, Sherilyn, I'm going to quote something that you shared in an article on teachinghorizons.net. Listeners, the link to the full article will be there in the show notes. You wrote, quote, often parents get nervous when they hear that I am speaking with their children about consent. They are wary of me talking to them about sex and sexting because of their beliefs around these issues, end quote. Can you speak to training you do for the parent caretaker and scholar audience on consent just to sort of demystify what is it that you are addressing when you're addressing it?
1: And let me say this. My favorite thing to do, which is weird, is teaching students about consent. Because to me, the goal is how it relates to your interactions with each other around personal boundaries. I want them to examine the way they interact with each other to consider what it means to give and ask for consent. And I'll say that again, to give and ask for consent, because consent is not implied. And a lot of times we think that it is, especially as young people, and we're not having those conversations. And so when I talk to them about consent, I want them to understand that they need to respect the boundaries, there goes that word again, of each other, because that's really what consent is. You asking me for something and I'm saying yes or no. And you respecting my no if I do happen to say no, you know, and that you don't continue to ask after I've said no. That's what the respecting the no is. So, when I talk to parents and educators, what I want them to know is that they need to understand the language, discuss boundaries with their students and children. They need to know how to explain the parameters of consent to them. You know, they need to be able to say that is not consent. You didn't ask for consent there, you know, because what happens then, and it shifts the way that they think about how they interact with others, how they flirt, how they give compliments, right? All of those things are about consent because in order for something to be okay, both people have to agree. And that's what I tell my students all the time. And I tell them that also when it comes to telling jokes about each other, if you tell a joke about me and I don't laugh and I don't think it's funny, it's not a joke both of us have to think it's funny. And so you have to be able to understand that. And that's about boundaries. And so what I want parents to understand is we all should be talking about this, we should be talking about what is consent, so that our children understand how to move through the world, respecting the boundaries of each other.
0: I love that. And I, you know, I think I almost saw this trajectory where we were talking about really focusing on independence and talking about what it means to be an independent learner. And this reminds me of something that I like to talk about, which is we are also interdependent learners, right? You know, school is social society. We've got neighbors. um, We also need to have those interpersonal skills and to realize that, as you say, some people that same joke, maybe they laugh. Others don't and recognizing that again, you need to do that work and you need to do that consideration of, is this the right time? You know, all of that, all that kind of reflection and understand that it is not a one size fits all.
1: Yes, you have to be aware. Yes, an
0: awareness.
1: And most of us are not aware or we have a limited awareness. And we need to be checking
0: in with each other. I love that. And, uh, you know, again, it's, I, I, I really think for a long time or at least in my own upbringing you know there would be like a debate club or a speaking club workshops around that and i almost see this is a, a balancing out of reprioritizing listening what are listening sub skill sets i love that i love that that's perfect i love that yes <laughs> and your work again like listening to self and others so i i really appreciate that you're that you're helping us stretch in both of those places. Um, Sherilyn, I'm so excited to see you also do training on positive self-talk and affirmations. For those of you unfamiliar with affirmations as a strategic practice, I'm hoping you might share a little bit about how you engage with it um, and why perhaps um, I'm making a little bit of a, a bet here, but I feel like there's a special relevance for the need for that right now. But tell me if I'm wrong.
1: Yes. So positive self-talk and affirmations have been important to me since I was a teenager, because I needed to learn how to, for lack of a better word, exercise some control over my life, you know, and I needed to learn how to speak things into existence. And so it was an understanding is that In order for me to feel better, I have to improve my attitude. I have to have more confidence. And that's what affirmations do. I use quotes a lot to teach my students about positive self-talk and affirmations. I use Maya Angelou a lot, Dr. Maya Angelou a lot. And so my favorite one is you alone are enough. You have nothing to prove to anyone. Because sometimes we feel bad when we have to disagree with people and this comes back to the boundary and consent. And we we just, well, I don't wanna do that, but I feel bad because I should, because I really love this person and I want them to be happy. But we're doing it at the expense of ourselves. And what affirmations and positive self-talk does, it helps us work through challenges. It helps us lower our stress levels. It helps us to say today is rough, but I can keep going, you know? So when you have that affirmation that you either have on your wall or on your phone and that you keep saying it to yourself until you believe it, you know, the other one that I like to use for Maya Angelou is that you will experience lots of defeats, but you do not have to be defeated. And this one has helped me a lot because sometimes you feel like nothing is going right. But because I use that affirmation so much, it's almost when I, when I want to say I feel defeated, I can't even say it because I can hear myself saying, I will not be defeated. I will not be defeated. This is a failure, but tomorrow is another day. I made a huge mistake, but tomorrow I can do better. And so what we do is we help our students to understand that you don't have to be perfect all the time things are not going to go well all the times. You will have really bad days, really bad things happen in the world, but the hope is on the other side of that affirmations. Positive self-talk is telling yourself, I'm not bad, I made a mistake. I'm not a horrible person, I did something wrong or I hurt someone, but I can be better tomorrow.
0: Those are beautiful examples. Thank you for, for giving us some of the, the affirmations that you have found useful. Um, you know, it's interesting because it wasn't until I started engaging with affirmations that I realized actually how a lot of my self-talk was quite negative. You know, I think because of internalized homophobia, I started to realize I was telling myself this narrative that the school that I worked at had done me a favor by hiring Mm -hmm. me as a queer woman. Like, oh, I better do this because they've done me this favor right you know like they've taken on this hardship and i hadn't realized like whoa that inner monologue like that movie that i keep playing Mm -hmm. is not really a very nice one um and so i for me i almost found the the practice helpful in it pointed out like whoa that that soundtrack that's playing um is like negative self-talk if that phrase even exists yeah Yeah. (laughs) And the truth is a lot of students don't realize it till I frame it that way. Like, what are you saying
1: to yourself? What are you thinking about yourself? And I always use the example of, if your friend was going through this issue, what would you say to them? And they can almost always say, well, I would say this, this, and this, and this, and this. I said, well, then you need to speak to yourself the way you speak to your friends. And then they get it mm-hmm. because they're like, whoa, I wouldn't tell my friend they were an idiot yeah. for making a mistake. But I say that to myself. Well, I say I can't learn. I'm dumb, you know, and the truth is we talk about it a lot in schools anyway. When we talk about growth mindset, but students need us to go a little bit more personal with the personal positive self-talk and the affirmation is more. What do I say to myself? You know, when I fail, what do I say to myself when things look like it won't get any better? What do I use to bring myself that little bit of hope every day, so that I can keep fighting?
0: I love that, and it connects with our, our last question. You know, again, the the messages, the the soundtrack, the inner monologue, whatever you want to call it. Um, mm-hmm. For me, another sort of part of that is because social media is ubiquitous in my life. I am on Twitter a lot. Um, you know, I also have this other monologue of messages coming in, and like I, you know. I have to be very careful not to get swept up in, you know, like 30 minutes of doom scrolling. Your session pointed us to uh, accounts on social media that you follow that they continue to stretch your own thinking around boundaries. And I'm wondering if you might point us to some resources that have been useful to you, Um, you know, as again, you continue to think about boundaries, how we can reframe them, why we need to explore them um, and, and how we we come to understand why defining them is is useful for all of us.
1: Yes. So as a school counselor, boundaries came to me because I had to deal with expectations from administrators, parents, students, colleagues, that left me sometimes feeling burnt out and frustrated. So I had to learn how to set better expectations, how to tell people about the use of my time and it's why we all need to be thinking about boundaries. How do we engage with the needs of others? You know, one of the things I like is on the plane, it always tells you put on your oxygen mask first before you help others. That's what we have to start doing. And we have to feel okay about saying, I can't do that or I don't want to do that. Now there are there's a particular um, social media that I follow about boundaries. Nedra Tawab. she's a therapist, a New York, Times bestseller, author, and relationship expert. And she has this book called Set Boundaries, Find Peace, A Guide to Reclaiming Yourself. She also has an Instagram um, account and a YouTube channel. And I follow her because she has very quick messages. On the Instagram page, it's just little things you can say, you can use those as affirmations. On her YouTube channel, what I like to use is what she calls her shorts, which are one to two minute conversations saying, this is how you need to set that new boundaries. This is what it means to be consistent. This is what it, when you know you need to in your life. And so for those people who are now getting into boundaries and like, I need something more, I need something that's daily. She is a great resource because like I said, she has her IG page, she has her website, she has her YouTube channel, and I use her a lot for my personal life, but also for my professional life. And so I would say, go to her as a resource.
0: That's fantastic. We'll make sure to include that link um, in the show notes. Sherilyn, thank you so much for your time today. I really, really appreciate it. For listeners who want to reach out um, to connect with you, to bring your services into their organization or their school, what's the best way for them to do that or to um, to find out more about what's coming up from you next? So they
1: can go to my website, which is weeksenterprise.com. Um, yeah, you know, I'm really excited. I got a lot of good things coming up next. I'm still a school counselor, so I'm still working in a school. But some of the things that I'm doing through my business is I will be presenting at the International School Counselors Association Conference in November. I am doing a workshop on consent for educators with ISS in October. And I will be presenting at the CIS, that's Council of International Schools Conference. I think that's in November as well. So I'm really excited about all of these opportunities to talk more about boundaries and consent with educators and counselors. But if you are working for an organization and you'd like me to come and talk to you, please go to my website and you can go to the contact me page there and get in touch.
0: Great, thank you. And again, uh, the link to that website will be over there in the show notes. Um, Sherilyn, best of luck with those upcoming sessions. We look forward to following you. Um, And again, thanks for being so generous with your time and insight today. Thanks, Tricia. I always enjoy talking to you. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, that means again, you know, that I'm gonna invite you to come back and we'll talk more in the future, I would love. Definitely. Listeners, thank you so much for generously taking the time to listen to our conversation today. Um, As a note of closing, I want to say thank you so much to the audience. Just this past week, I received a great email in my inbox letting me know that this podcast that you are listening to right now has been featured in the Feedspot Top 100 LGBT Podcasts. Um, Again, that's all thanks to you for listening for sharing um it makes a big big difference when you do write and review the podcast so if you've got a free moment i would really appreciate you taking the time to do that thanks again everybody until the next episode see you soon